You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Hey, y'all. Spooky season is here. And if you're looking for a show to whet your appetite for a little haunted history, then I'd like to invite you to check out Southern Gothic, a chart-topping history podcast that explores some of the most infamous legends, folklore, ghost stories, and hauntings of the American South. We've covered all sorts of stuff from the Bell Witch of Tennessee to the disappearance of the Confederate submarine, the H.L. Hunley, not to mention our deep dives into the local lore of some of America's oldest and most haunted cities like New Orleans, Charleston, and St. Augustine. So if you're ready for a little good old-fashioned Halloween storytelling with a commitment to quality historical research, then be sure to check out Southern Gothic today. It's available now on all your favorite podcast apps. Edgeworks Nebula. Hello, and welcome to Settle the Stars. I'm Rachel Emerson, filling in for Lacey Hannon. Few figures from Greek mythology are as widely known and immediately recognizable as Hercules. Even if you didn't grow up watching Disney's chiseled-jawed muscle man slug and slay his way through a bevy of oversized beasts, you still probably know more about Herc than any other god in the pantheon. Given that he's all about the super strength that enabled him to power through the Twelve Labors, It might surprise you to learn that the constellation Hercules depicts the demigod crouched on one knee and upside down. The earliest Greek astronomers actually did not initially ascribe the constellation to Hercules. The poet Eratu simply called the stars Engonasin, or the kneeling one, describing the figure as, quote, a phantom form like to a man that strives at a task. Later, the poet and astronomer Eratosthenes decided the stars were Hercules triumphing over the constellation Draco, upon whose head the figure kneels. This turned Draco into the dragon Lathan, who appears in the penultimate labor Hercules accomplished, the theft of the golden apples from the Garden of the Hesperides. To wind things back a bit, Hercules was not born into the most ideal circumstances. He was the child of Zeus and, as was frequently the case with Zeus's children, someone other than Zeus's wife Hera, a mortal woman named Alcamini. Hera naturally disdained Hercules and orchestrated the events of his life so that he would owe King Evrystea a penance of ten labors. That's right, ten. The other two were tacked on at the end when Hera's agent of punishment and misery, King Evrystea, decided Hercules hadn't suffered enough and found loopholes to negate two of the labors he'd accomplished. Sometimes a demigod just can't get a break. The first of these two additional labors was to bring Evrystea golden apples from a secluded tree that had been a wedding present from Gaia to Zeus and Hera, which must have just thrilled Hercules, given that his dad and his stepmom were the reasons he was on his eight-year odyssey of pain in the first place. Hercules had no idea where the tree was hidden. He searched all over the earth, getting into various scraps that had nothing to do with the main storyline like in some poorly designed video game. He finally wrestled the answer out of Nerus, the old man of the sea. 
According to Nerus, the tree was located on the westernmost island of the world and guarded not only by the Hesperides, the nymph daughters of the Titan Atlas, but by the fearsome multi-headed dragon Lathan, who sported 100 heads, to be precise. By some accounts, Hercules took Lathan out surprisingly easily with a single poisoned arrow and made off with the apples. It's fun to imagine Hercules throwing the apples at Evrystheia's feet and declaring, How do you like them apples, Evrystheia? But in reality, he was probably too exhausted to say anything after circling the globe fighting all kinds of random opponents. Other accounts made Lathan a more challenging adversary and found Hercules could only defeat the beast and retrieve the apples by enlisting the aid of the Hesperides' father, Atlas himself. Yes, the same Atlas who mythology finds holding the world up by his shoulders. Atlas agreed to take care of the dragon and get the apples for Hercules, if Hercules would hold the earth while he did so. Hercules, of course, had no choice but to accept the Titan's suggestion and proceeded to take on the literal weight of the world. But Atlas double-crossed him. He returned with the golden apples in hand and no intention of taking back the world. Should have seen it coming, Hercules. That is the oldest trick in the book. But Hercules hadn't made it through 10 labors already by his brawn alone. He asked Atlas if he wouldn't mind taking over holding the world up for just a moment so he could place some padding on his shoulders to ease the strain. Atlas agreed, being the reasonable fellow he is, and he never saw Hercules or the apples again. Now, if Hercules didn't say, how do you like them apples, Atlas? As exhausted as he might have been, he missed a real opportunity. Whether Hercules downed the dragon by his own arrow or Atlas slew the beast for him, this was the opponent Eratosthenes saw Hercules symbolically trampling underfoot in the night sky. After completing the Twelve Labors, Hercules went on to have many further adventures, including rescuing the Princess of Troy from a sea monster and fighting alongside his father Zeus that one time when some giants tried to take over Olympus. The great writer of tragedies, Aeschylus, decided that the stars of Hercules represented the demigod kneeling in exhaustion after one of these many feats, specifically his role in the Greeks' battle with the Linguarians of northwestern Italy. In addition to kneeling above Draco, or just kneeling exhausted, Hercules is usually portrayed holding a club in his raised right hand with either a branch of apples or the three-headed hound of the underworld, Carverus, stretched out in his left hand. The figure takes up a great deal of space in the sky and is the fifth largest constellation, making it relatively easy to find during the summer months despite not having the brightest stars. The easiest way to spot Hercules is to locate the quadrangle-shaped asterism known as the keystone which makes up the figure's tunic. Hercules' legs extend from the quadrangle's wider end the stars Pi Hercules and Eta Hercules, which are located higher up in the sky, remember he's upside down, and his arms extend from the narrower end, the stars Epsilon Hercules and Zeta Hercules. While the keystone asterism may be the simplest way to find the constellation, Hercules' brightest star is actually part of the arm that holds the club. Corneferous, which means club bearer, is a binary star system about 140 light years away. The bigger of the two stars in the system is a yellow giant with three times the mass and 17 times the radius of the sun. As big as it sounds, Corneferous' yellow giant is still not 
big enough to trigger a supernova when it reaches the end of its lifetime. Instead, the star will steadily shed its outer mass, dwindling down to a white dwarf, which will finally blink out in a black dwarf that no longer expels energy. And that's what you call going out with a whimper instead of a bang. The lowermost star in our upside-down hero, Ra's al-Jithi, which is Arabic for head of the kneeler, is a multiple star system 360 light years away. The two main components of the system, Alpha Hercules A and Alpha Hercules B, complete an orbit of each once every 3,600 years. Alpha Hercules A, a red supergiant, is the part of the system that's formerly known as Rizaljathi. The radius of the star is estimated to be 400 times that of the sun, meaning that if it held the sun's place in our solar system, it would extend past Mars. Alpha Hercules B, on the other hand, is a binary system made up of two modestly sized yellow stars that orbit each other once every 52 days. Another interesting dot in the constellation, Omicron Hercules, the furthermost star in the figure's outstretched left hand, may not be much to boast about at the moment, but since it lies close to the solar apex, the point toward which the sun is steadily moving, it will become the brightest star in our night sky in approximately 3 million years. Today, Omicron is just a moderately vivid blue-white dwarf among so many other brilliant stars in the sky, but somebody ought to tell it it has a bright future ahead. Hercules may actually be better known for some of its deep sky objects than for its major stars. You can find one of the Milky Way's oldest globular clusters in Hercules, Messier 92. It's believed to be a whopping 14.2 billion years old. That's nearly as old as the universe itself. Researchers believe it began forming shortly after the Big Bang. You can find Messier 92 by connecting the dots of the triangle it makes with two stars from neighboring constellations, the orange-white giant Altanin, which is the brightest star in Draco, and Lyra's blue-white dwarf Vega, which is the fifth brightest star in our night sky. Messier 92 is the dimmest point of the triangle, but once you locate it, you'll have one of the universe's very earliest creations in sight. An even more famous globular cluster, in fact, perhaps the most famous of them all, can be found within Hercules' keystone asterism, the Great Globular Cluster, which is formally known as Messier 13. 25,000 light years from Earth and 145 light years in diameter, Messier 13 has long been an object of fascination for both astronomers and writers of science fiction. Such notable authors as Isaac Asimov, Paul Anderson, and Dan Simmons set futuristic stories on worlds within this cluster, and Kurt Vonnegut very accurately wrote in his book, The Sirens of Titan, that, quote, every passing hour brings the solar system 43,000 miles closer to globular cluster M13 in Hercules. And still, there are some misfits who insist that there is no such thing as progress, end quote. In 1974, astronomer Frank Drake, with input from Carl Sagan and select others, designed a radio message to be beamed up toward Messier 13 from the Arecibo Telescope in Puerto Rico. The message contained a great deal of data regarding our own planet and species, including the numbers 1 through 10, the atomic numbers for the elements that form DNA, a figure of a human along with our rough dimensions, a depiction of our solar system, and a graphic of the telescope from which the message was launched. 
Drake sent the message to Messier 13 because the cluster contains more than 300,000 stars and potentially as many planets. Some have suggested that Messier 13 will have moved out of range by the time Drake's message is due to arrive 25,000 years from 1974. However, Drake maintains that the cluster will have only moved fractionally from the beam's path by then, and that the message will indeed hit its target. We'll see if he's right in, like, 24,952 years. The hit mobile game Terra Genesis was all about taking a new world and bringing it to life over time, from a barren wasteland to a verdant paradise. But before we can achieve a new Earth, humans must first learn to adapt and survive in those original, inhospitable climates. Extreme temperatures, unbearable pressure, and storms of dust or geomagnetic pulses unlike anything ever experienced before. We must withstand all of it if we are to make new homes for humanity. Those first moments, the first rockets, the first settlements, the first sunrises and sunsets, will be critical not only to our future as a spacefaring species, but our ultimate survival in this universe. Before our giant leap comes our first small steps. Before we etch our story into the echelons of time in a new world, we must first bear witness to its magnificent emptiness. Before we make history, we must first make landfall. Available on iOS and Android. Hercules is also home to the Hercules superclusters, which are two superclusters of galaxies that span about 330 million light years across. The Coma supercluster of the constellation Coma Berenices and the Leo supercluster of the constellation Leo are in the vicinity as well. Together, the Hercules, Coma, and Leo superclusters form what's known as the Great Wall, one of the largest superstructures in the known universe. In fact, this sprawling string of galaxy clusters extends farther than astronomers are even able to observe due to the zone of galactic obscuration, which is that part of the sky that's blocked from view by the light and cosmic dust of the Milky Way. Hercules is also part of another such superstructure, albeit a hypothetical one, known as the Hercules Corona Borealis Great Wall. This seemingly endless string of galaxy clusters was discovered in 2013 and is believed to extend 10 billion light years, making it the largest formation in existence. For a frame of reference, the observable universe is 93 billion light years in diameter. One of the superstructures discoverers, John Hakila, noted that, quote, the danger of finding the biggest or most distant or the oldest things in the universe is always that sooner or later, someone is likely to come along and find something bigger, more distant, or older than the thing you found, end quote. Considering his discovery spans more than a tenth the length of the known universe, the chances of that happening must surely be slim. Though the superstructure's name includes only the constellations Hercules and Corona Borealis, it actually extends from the constellation Boreas to far-flung Gemini. In total, the Hercules-Corona Borealis Great Wall passes through 20 different constellations. Some have questioned the methods that were used to detect the formation, and Hakila himself even remarked at a press conference that he would have thought such a thing was too big to exist. But the European Space Agency's Theseus satellite, which specializes in detecting gamma-ray bursts, may finally be able to put the matter to bed when it launches in 2032. On a considerably smaller scale, 
Hercules also boasts one of the biggest known planetary nebulas, Abel 39. Abel 39 is notable not only for being one of the largest nebulas of its kind, with a diameter of five light years, but also for being nearly perfectly spherical. The nebula is also pretty uniformly translucent, which allows more distant stars to shine through, adding to its simple and elegant appeal. Who knew Hercules had such great taste in nebulas? Another of Hercules' more notable nebulas is the lovingly named NGC 6210. Another planetary nebula, NGC 6210, resulted from a star that was once very much like our sun. That star has now turned into a white dwarf surrounded by visually spectacular arches, tubes, and filaments of ionized gas. Some areas a gorgeous translucent blue, and others a remarkable translucent red. Considering our sun will share a similar fate in another five billion years or so, it could do worse than to aspire to NGC's 6210 celestial artistry. With so many cool, deep sky features to study, it's no wonder the region of Hercules continues to interest NASA. In April of 2021, NASA released a composite image that both the Hubble Space Telescope and New Mexico's Very Large Array took of Hercules' largest galaxy and the second largest galaxy in the known universe, Hercules A. In NASA's image, Hercules A appears as a single yellowish point of light from which two enormous jets of plasma flow away out in opposite directions. The picture looks kind of like a tiny Pac-Man trying to lift a precariously wide barbell with humongous round weights at either end. Being in the vicinity of Hercules just gets everybody in the mood to pump iron, I guess. The twin plasma streams of Hercules A measure one and a half million light years from one end to the other. That's 15 times the length of the Milky Way. The streams are what are known as relativistic jets, and while the physics behind what's been producing them for the past two billion plus years isn't fully understood yet, it's believed that they are caused by the accretion disk surrounding the supermassive black hole at the galaxy's center. At two and a half billion solar masses, the black hole of Hercules A is 600 times bigger than the supermassive black hole at the heart of our own galaxy. And it ranks as one of the 50 biggest black holes in the universe. The constellation of Hercules really does offer astronomers and amateur stargazers endless reasons to watch this part of the sky. For a brief while in 2016, space enthusiasts all over the world got really excited about the constellation when it was announced that a team at the Russian Academy of Sciences Special Astrophysical Observatory had received a radio signal from one of Hercules' stars on May 15th of 2015. The signal was beamed at a frequency of 11 gigahertz, more than 45 times the strength of Drake's Arecibo message in 1974 making it highly unlikely that this was a naturally occurring radio wave. The nature of this signal led astronomers to conclude that the civilization presumed to have sent it must have technological capabilities far greater than ours, whether the signal was broadcast in all directions or specifically aimed at our solar system. As for where the signal came from, the Russian team traced the radio beam to the star HD164595, which lies about 95 light years away, comfortably in the hand Hercules uses to grip the branch of golden apples. The star is extremely similar to our sun. It's slightly smaller and slightly younger, but of comparable temperatures. 
The star also has one planet that we're aware of, HD 164595b, which is about the size of Neptune, or 16 Earths. The media naturally ran with this story, but before people could begin caravanning to the desert with welcome signs for our Herculean neighbors, international astronomers were quick to cross-check the supposedly alien signal with their own telescopes. Neither the Allen Telescope Array in California's Shasta County nor the Green Bank Telescope in West Virginia detected anything of note. In August of 2016, Alexander Ipitov, the director of Russia's Institute of Applied Astronomy, stated that after further checks, the signal was most likely the result of terrestrial interference caused by a Russian military satellite. Many astronomers had already voiced their doubts ahead of this announcement. Since SETI relies upon specific criteria to determine whether a signal may be of intelligent extraterrestrial origin, including the signal's persistence, the ability to reobserve it, and the absence of potential sources of interference. While it sounds like we probably weren't hailed by a civilization from Hercules' very sun-like star, the excitement the false alarm caused nevertheless illustrates our fascination with space and our hunger to discover more. And just because we didn't receive a message from a planet orbiting a star that's much the same as our own, that doesn't mean there isn't a civilization there that's hard at work to find the planet like ours. Or perhaps a planet orbiting any of the Messier 13's 300,000 stars that our own Arecibo message will reach someday. Fingers crossed. It's a big universe. And the countless galaxies of Hercules are as promising candidates for intelligent life as any other. Little green men aside, there are surely many more fascinating things we are yet to discover about this exhaustedly kneeling, curiously upside-down warrior in the heavens. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on Settle the Stars. Until then, happy terraforming. Settle the Stars is a proud member of Edgeworks Nebula a collection of intriguing and informative podcasts from Edgeworks Entertainment. Edgeworks Nebula Get ready to geek out! The Wired Science Podcast explores all the latest and greatest in science, everything from strange diseases and biological breakthroughs to interesting tech and mysteries in outer space. Listen to Wired Science today wherever you get your podcasts. That's Wired Science wherever you get your podcasts.